Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. That is when Peter met Jesus. Well, technically it's not when he met Jesus, but I'm going to tell you about it this time. Did you hear that? Did you read somewhere recently? This is one of my favorite scripture passages. Did you hear that? Matthew 14 is where this comes from, of Peter connecting with Jesus on the water. And there are some reasons that I love it, but maybe you've heard it stated that my favorite scripture verse is Genesis 2.25. Do you know why? Because Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Let that one sink in a little bit. God created marriage. It's a good thing. But I'm not going there today. So if I've made you embarrassed, just relax. I'm going to Matthew 14. I'm just getting your attention. Are you awake with me? Matthew 14. Oh, yeah, the front row's awake here. They're like, my wife's like, Brian, don't do that one. Don't do that one. Matthew 14, Peter engaging with Jesus on the water. Why is this a favorite one? Because... I love the water. I love boating. (laughs) I grew up on Lake Simcoe. Does anyone know where Lake Simcoe is? Some of you do. On the south side of Lake Simcoe, Jackson's Point area is where I grew up, and I spent most of my teenage years growing up there. So we learned to have lots of fun in the water. That's where I learned to water ski, to kneeboard, to wakeboard, lots of things we did. We did pyramids as well, you know, because going behind the boat, eventually it's like, that's easy. What else can we do? And so we started to put people up on our shoulders and see what we could. Now, we weren't any kind of Cypress Gardens or any kind of show like that, but we definitely had some fun on the water. One of my favorite things to do on the water, though, is to get going fast enough that you can actually step off your skis onto the water with your bare feet. And then you can skim across. And I I think you might have seen last summer, the creative team caught a little clip of me barefooting, and they included it in a message. That's the way I get refreshed in the summer. You can ask Rebecca, after I get out there and do a little bit of barefooting, I am so pumped I could take on the world. So when I come to a passage of scripture like this where Peter walked in the water, it's the closest thing I can kind of imitate a little bit here. And so I get excited about it. Now, I know I do that to get a thrill. (laughs) Peter did it by faith. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I also love the water, though, not only when I can go as fast as possible, but I like to go as slow as possible as well in a canoe. And just in the calm waters of Algonquin Park, when it's quiet and you're like way inland, far off from highways and traffic, and it's just so peaceful and calm. I love that moment as well. I recognize, though, that life is not always calm. (laughs) There's a lot of storms that we experience in life, and that's where we're going with Matthew 14. And I've read and I've I've spoken on this passage numerous times, and we realize, as I said, this isn't the first time Peter met Jesus. But today, friends, as you're listening in and reading this passage with me, I want you to look with your own eyes and look at Jesus in a new way. Ask God to reveal Jesus to you in a fresh new, in a fresh revelation this morning, in a way like you've never seen him before, because that's what Peter experienced that we hear Matthew recording. You see, Jesus came in the flesh. 
Jesus came as God's presence here on the earth. Jesus came to communicate God's love to us. And then we know he went to the cross to die as a sacrifice in our place. Then Jesus was raised unto heaven by God's grace and power. And the Holy Spirit came in his place. And as the Holy Spirit came, the Spirit came so that we would know Jesus on the inside of us by faith. And that's what I'm going to talk about as we look at Peter this morning. And while this passage is about Peter seeing Jesus on the water and walking to him, Peter had Jesus in the, in the physical. He was there. But we're going to see how we have Jesus on the inside by faith and how we can walk with him. Now, this morning, I've got a pretty primitive boat here, all right? This bench is going to represent a boat, okay? So as you're picturing the boat that Peter and the disciples in, think of this thing. Actually, it kind of gives me an idea. I've never tried to water ski on a bench before. <laughs> I've, done a, I've done a disc that's on plywood and actually put a chair up on that and stood on that. So, it, so I'm, I'm thinking about what this could do. But just picture the boat, okay? That's, that's Peter's boat. And over here, this represents Jesus. You can see it kind of looks like a director's chair, right? <laughs> I think we are supposed to yield and let Jesus direct our lives. So think about that this morning as I unpack this passage a little bit. But Matthew 14, the events and the, the, what, what they all experienced in this time, you've got to think about the context of what was happening. The disciples had just come to Jesus and said, Jesus, we we're sorry to tell you this, but your cousin, John the Baptist, the one who was to be the forerunner who went ahead of you and told people that you are coming, his life has been taken from him. King Herod beheaded John the Baptist. When Jesus heard this news, he gathered some of the disciples, he got in a boat, and they crossed over the Sea of Galilee to the other side. From Gennesaret, they went to Bethsaida. Jesus, what's recorded by Matthew is he just needed some, some solitary time. He needed some peace and quiet because this was, this was devastating news. And so, but what we read is when they got to the other side and they landed there, and it was a distance of, if you, if you walked from Gennesaret all the way around to Bethsaida, it was possible. You had to go around the top end of the Sea of Galilee. It was 80 kilometers. So you do the math on how long it would take you to walk. If you sailed across the sea, sailors say it would take about two hours. So you can see kind of the difference. So the guys headed in the boat. They got there, and they got off. And, and what were they greeted by was people found out Jesus has arrived in their area. And so they brought all the sick and the lame. And they said, Jesus, would you heal? And the crowds kept gathering and gathering. And we read in Matthew 14, that 5,000 people, 5,000 men, so it's 5,000 plus, plus, plus gathered there, and then they were bringing their, all their people who needed healing. And we know that Jesus ministered to them, and then we read about, hey, and then it was time for lunch or dinner, but they had no food, and then Jesus called for the food, and, and they said, oh, we've got us some fish and some loaves, and what do we do with that? And Jesus said, well, you give them something to eat. He prayed over that, and it multiplied, not 5,000 times, not 10,000 times, probably 20 to 25,000, and that's even probably low on the numbers. And that was a miracle for the disciples. Then in the context, you read that 
that Jesus then immediately, and this comes to our text this morning, chapter 14 in Matthew, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus sent his disciples away in the boat. Jesus immediately got them in. After the the feeding and all that happened, he said to the disciples, you guys get in the boat and you go on back and I'll, I'll catch up with you. And then what Matthew records is then Jesus went to dismiss the crowds. How do you dismiss 25,000 people? Go home. (laughs) There's no more food. Like, I don't know. Or did Jesus then just, the disciples are gone, the attraction of whatever's happening is gone. And and he makes his way up, Matthew says, on the mountainside for he finally wants to find a quiet place to pray. That's what's setting up this context. So Jesus immediately sends them off. He goes to dismiss them. And I wondered, do you think about, do you think about the in-between verses when you're reading Scripture? <laughs> it says, Jesus went up on the mountainside, and he was alone there, and it was night. This was the day he just experienced. What would be fueling his prayer? Father, <laughs> I'm exhausted. Father, you knew that the crowds would come, and I couldn't help my heart, just had compassion for them. But Father, what about John? What is coming next? (laughs) Think about what was fueling Jesus' prayer. And while he was up there on the mountainside, in the solitary, praying, what was going on with the guys in the boat? (laughs) We know if we've read the passage, right? The guys headed off from shore, and they were rowing at this point, and then a windstorm came up. And we read that Matthew reports that the wind started to, to buffet the boat, started to vehemently, just aggressively push against the boat. And I don't know, have you ever been in a storm in a boat before? I have. <laughs> Growing up in Lake Simcoe, the wind would pick up just really quick. And you'd go from almost calm to three-foot swells in no time at all. And actually, that's where the fun got to be when it was water ski time. You see, when we got out water skiing in the summer... Usually we get out there before the cottagers arrived and all the, you know, the people who are coming to the, to the lake for the day and, and it would be calm, but it wouldn't take long before the waves started happening and we'd just keep skiing anyway. When the wind would pick up, we'd keep skiing anyway. So I remember my dad driving our 18-foot aluminum boat and had a 40-horsepower Merc on the back. And he'd be driving and he'd be going over waves like this and it would be coming out of the water and I'd be going, whoa! you know, up and over, and and that's how I learned to do whatever I could do on the water. The trick was see if you could stay on your feet, right? But these guys were experiencing some of this, not for fun, but they were experiencing it because they were trying to get to the other side. Night had now set in. It was dark, and they had been rowing, and they had been rowing. And we're going to see the timeline that eventually they had been rowing for Somewhere between six and nine hours. Okay, who's got a rowing machine? (laughs) You on it for 10 minutes, 20 minutes? Have you done six hours yet straight? (laughs) Imagine how they were feeling uh, just rowing and rowing and going nowhere. They're not making progress. If you've ever rowed a boat, you know, the oars are doing this and the boat's going up and down. And is there anyone seasick in the room? (laughs) Sorry for the illustration. (laughs) But picture what's going on. They're exhausted. They're tired. This is what we read's taking place. And then we come to verse 25. And shortly before dawn, 
Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, and Matthew says, walking on the water. Jesus is headed toward them, so shortly before dawn, another scripture translation says the fourth watch of the night. That's how we know the timing. Somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. That's what gives us the context of how long these guys have been on the water. But it makes me think, okay, he's up on the mountain. He's talking to the Father. It's been quite a day, and he sent the disciples off, and, and he knew something was happening out on that. He would have felt the wind up on the mountains. Maybe the Father said, hey, son, the guys are going to need some help. You should go join them on the lake. But I, I wondered, I always wondered, what was the delay? <laughs> to me, something was happening in the boat and with the disciples that the Father was going to communicate to them, it's go time, guys. This is serious. There was a miracle that happened earlier in the day about feeding. There were miracles that happened throughout the day of healing. Guys, it's time for you to engage your faith. I believe, truly believe, the Father and Son were setting up some time for the disciples to say, we need to walk by faith. Verse 26 tells us what the experience was like for the disciples. <laughs> the disciples in the boat, rowing, tired, exhausted, probably cold, probably wet, hungry again, right? They didn't probably pack a whole lot of the leftovers. Maybe they did. Maybe they had them, but maybe they're soggy leftovers by this point. And what they see is Jesus coming toward them on the water. And their response was, it's a ghost. Look. Had they seen ghosts before? I have no idea. <laughs> but in their mind, they, they saw something that wasn't physical of this earth. And, and they called out. It's, it's a ghost. They were afraid in this moment. Fear was gripping the disciples. Now look at verse 27. Verse 27 said, Jesus responds to them. And Jesus' response is, Take courage. It is I. What I want you to note there is Jesus can see your fear. He can see when you are afraid. God the Father knows what emotions we are going through. Did you know that? Nick highlighted this a week ago and he said, God can actually read your mind. I hope that doesn't scare you, and I hope today's not the first time you thought about that. Because God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher. He's outside of us, but he's inside of us. So he can know what we're thinking and feeling. And Jesus responds and says, take courage, it is I. Or some translations say, it's me. Do you know what the literal is for that phrase, that word? The literal is, Jesus said, take courage, I am. Where have you heard that before? Translated also as, I exist. That reference of I am, that name of God, is what M Moses heard from God in Exodus chapter 3. When Moses was saying, God, we're having this conversation, but how am I going to ever tell somebody else about you? How will I introduce, what's your name? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. In this moment, Jesus said to the disciples, it is I, it is God. I am God coming towards you. Do not be afraid. And I, as I think about this context and what's unfolding here, so much lands in my mind when Jesus says that, I am, it is I, take courage. 
uh, I hear God saying, I will be with you in the storm. I will not leave you. I see you. I'm sensing your fear and your emotions that you're going through. So then we come to verse 28, and Peter's here in the boat, and we don't know how many disciples. Was it, was it 12 of them? Was it six of them? Maybe some of them were land lovers, and they decided to take the long trip home, and only half the guys, we don't know. Matthew says, for those who were in the boat. But what we know, one of them was Peter. <laughs> and his ears were wide open, and he's like, Jesus, <laughs> is that you? If that's you, tell me to come to you. Like, now picture Peter, maybe dressed a little different than me, right? He had, he had the longer robes probably on and maybe some layers to keep warm by this point. But we know later on that when Peter got out of boats to go to Jesus, he, he took stuff off. He's like, no, it doesn't matter. I'm, if, Je if that's Jesus, I, I, tell me to come to you. And again, the literal translation of what Peter said was, command me to get out of this boat and come to you. I thought, well, that's, why would Peter say, Lord, if that's you, command me to come to you. But maybe Peter needed a nudge and an urge to get out of what was comfortable. Because you, the boat symbolizes our comfort zone, doesn't it? Our familiar zone. It's where we work day in and day out. Where maybe the family comes and joins us. It's, it's like this is what we know. And, and, and I think I want to stay here. And some of us are thinking, I'm not, I'm not Peter. <laughs> you know, Peter, you, maybe some of you are like, Peter, you go. You go see if that is really Jesus, but we're, we'll wait and hear your report. But you know, if you stay here, this is going to eventually feel like an uncomfortable wooden bench. It's not going to feel like your comfort zone. Believe it or not, out there with Jesus, there is more comfort, security in a storm than there is in a boat that you put your, 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 uh, your uh, something in, <laughs> your trust in. That's what I was looking for. But Peter says, if that's you, command me to come out to you. And, and, and Jesus responds with, what does he say? <laughs> he says this great four-letter word that he repeats over and over and over again. Come. Come. Have you heard Jesus say that before? Come follow me. Come. So Jesus, here's Peter's response. Then he says, come, Peter, come. And what we read from Matthew is Peter had to get down out of the boat. So he had to climb over the edge of the boat, right? So again, not too secure. And he had to climb out onto the water. And, and then he started to go toward Jesus. Now, many times I read this passage, I thought about my water skiing experiences. But I'd often come to this passage and think, Peter's experience of walking on the water must have been like a, just a strong board plank. Like he could have just walked out to Jesus just like this. I'm like, why did I think that? <laughs> but in my mind, I somehow think that Jesus changes our environment supernaturally, that we no longer have the effects of what's going on around us. <laughs> but when I pressed into this passage again this year, and thinking of Peter getting down off the boat, and, and I've literally stepped out of a boat, that's doing 40 miles an hour. I've stepped off the side. I know, so don't judge me on whether I'm crazy or not, right? But this is some ways that we learn to, to barefoot water ski, and there's a boom out the side. So you can actually step out onto the water and go. And when I step out, I want to make sure that water is calm. Because I know all too well when you dig a foot in, the next thing that greets the water is your face. That's why I look the way I do. I'm sorry. 
I've greeted the water a few times over the years. But Peter getting out of the boat, <laughs> the boat would have been rocking. Peter would have been up and going up and down. This is his security, is to hang on to the side of the boat. But that's his savior. And he decided to let go, and he started to walk toward Jesus. And I don't believe it was a walk like this. I think it was a walk like this, of like, whoa, Jesus, oh my goodness. And he would have been up and down with the currents, one foot going higher over the wave, and then the next one. And some of you have been in the water, and you know what I'm talking about. Peter's experience as he got out of the boat, though, revealed his commitment of faith. He's like, back here, the boat's empty. Out there, my God has something for me. That's what propelled him to go to war, Jesus, even in the midst of a storm. Another reason that this passage is so inspiring for me is because he's the only one who got out of the boat. <laughs> Why didn't the other, where, were the, where was the faith of the other guys? What were they thinking and experiencing? Maybe the comfort zone stuff. And that's not wrong, but I want us to see Jesus in a new way today. And this is what propels me in my faith to step out of the boat and say, pick me first. <laughs> Jesus, if that's you out there, I want to be where you are. I want to be walking with you. Hmm. But as I parallel this to my water skiing experiences, um, I learned a lot about being on the water and water skiing by muscling your way through it. <laughs> you know, our, our theory, uh, our philosophy was you don't let go of the rope until your face hits the water. <laughs> In other words, don't give up easily. Don't give in easily. And, and I, as I think about this in, in the connection of what's happening here, is sometimes we want to stay in the boat because it's comfortable. Or sometimes when we get out of the boat, we muscle our way through life. I could just get through this hard situation. The, I know my spouse is, you know, not the nicest person, but if I just muscle my way through our relationship, I'm sure there'll be hard days, but we can make it work. My kids aren't listening to me, and they're being rebellious, but if I just am strong with them, then they're going to rise up, and they'll eventually get it. They'll figure it out. Or finances. If I just keep, if I just keep, and we think we can muscle our way through life. When Jesus is, is right here saying, come to me. I could actually make it easier for you. Come to me. Yes, we're, you're in the storm. But he said, don't be afraid. And we know as Peter began to walk then toward Jesus, you know, and he's doing this, remember? His legs are going up and down. The water's hitting him, sloshing. He's wet. We read from Matthew that he took his eyes off Jesus and he saw the wind. He saw the wind that was around him. And, and you know, it was interesting. Rebecca and I were talking about this. And, and as Peter saw the wind, what happened to him next? He took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink, didn't he? He began to go down. And I forget, Rebecca and I, oh, oh, we were getting out of the car today to come in. And she goes, woo! She said, I almost slipped on the ice. And I said, ooh, you better keep your eyes on Jesus or you may go down. <laughs> she goes, Bri, my hair was in my face. <laughs> She goes, oh, maybe that was what was up with Peter. Maybe his hair was in his face and he didn't see Jesus. So you better go get a haircut if you want to walk by faith. That's what I'm going to teach you, right? No, no. 
But Peter began to sink. And what I, I love what happens next is we read that when he called out, he said, Lord, save me. Even though he took his eyes off Jesus, at least he didn't forget about Jesus, right? Some of us delete Jesus altogether. He's no longer an option. I got to figure this out myself. But no, no, not Peter. He said, whoa, whoa, what am I doing? I'm going down. Lord, save me. And what we read is immediately Jesus reaches out and touches Peter. Immediately. Like they were so close. Peter is calling out like Jesus is miles away. Oh my goodness, I'm going down. But Jesus is so close. He reaches out and he touches him. And I always have in my mind that when it's immediately Jesus touches him, it's kind of like whoop, and he lifts him out back up onto above water level. <laughs> but it actually says he immediately touched him and then he spoke to him. So it's kind of like he left Peter kind of, you know, in this precarious spot here. And he said to him, what did he say? You can see it in the text. Yeah. Some of the translations say you of little faith. But you know what the literal is? Jesus calls Peter little faith, literally. Little faith, why did you doubt? I'm like, this is Peter. He's supposed to be called the rock. You know, the one who said Jesus will build his church. So why is he be called little faith? <laughs> his faith had diminished because he had taken his eyes off of the Lord. But Jesus said, why did you doubt? And I think this is all part of the lesson that Jesus, the Son, and the Father wanted the disciples to get in this moment. And then we read from Matthew that then they got into the boat. That's what we read next, is then they, they got into the boat. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, touched him, verse 31. Verse 32, and they climbed back in the boat. But, but what happened between this, 31 and 32? Like, what was the walk like back to the boat? <laughs> Because I've dove off boats before and gone swimming, and the boat starts blowing that way, and I'm like, I'm trying to catch the boat again, right? So in a storm, I'm sure these guys, or do we just think it was like, oh, when Jesus is there, everything just happens, you know? <laughs> or I think, what was the walk like back? <laughs> I imagine Peter was like <laughs> holding on to Jesus, saying, you know, let's, let's do this together. I, or maybe he was just holding his hand, saying, whoa, this is incredible, this is what you meant it was to be like? Like, this is what being in a storm with you is all about? And then they got in the boat, and the wind stopped, and everything calmed down. And when they got in the boat, and everything calmed down, I think it was like zero in, cue the music, here comes the lesson. But Jesus didn't need to say anything, because the lesson was right there for them. And what does it say that the rest of the disciples did? They worshipped Jesus. The rest of the disciples had now had their eyes wide open. You are the son of God. And they worshiped him. Peter had his eyes open out on the water. The disciples did once they, he was back in the boat. And they responded with worship. How do you see Jesus in your everyday life? How do you see Jesus when you're in your comfort or your familiar zone? I'm encouraging you to look into the eyes of Jesus and see him in a fresh new way today. Look into the eyes of Jesus because he's calling you to walk by faith. This morning as I bring this message to shore, uh -huh, you got that one. Let me summarize a couple things. 
Jesus is safer to be with in a storm than it is in the boat alone. Do you hear me? Think about your life storms. It's safer to be in the midst of that storm of life with Jesus than it is to be back at home or to run anywhere else. Jesus is bigger than our storms. Recognize that. (laughs) As Peter's going down, Jesus isn't going down. Jesus is like, this is just wind, Peter. (laughs) In a moment's notice, I can tell it to stop and be still. In a moment's notice, Jesus can speak into our lives and give us fresh perspective on our storms. That's what we need in the midst of our storms. Because our storms aren't going away until Jesus says they're going away. But in the midst of them, he can give us fresh perspective. So picture what that walk with Peter when his eyes were now open, going back with Jesus, how different that walk was than his walk out when he took his eyes off. I also want you to know Jesus is closer than you think. Remember that from this passage. Jesus is closer than you think. The storm distracts us. Maybe your hair distracts you. Maybe it's something else that distracts you. But Jesus is closer than you think in the midst of your storms. And Jesus can give you fresh perspective. He can open your eyes in new ways to see what he is doing. So let me give you some application to go walk this out. Because um, our lakes and rivers are not safe to go try doing the literal thing here today, okay? But we're going to do it by faith. We're called to walk by faith. So I want to give you some last tips of how I'm going to teach you how to walk on water this morning, okay? You ready? The first thing you need to do if you want to walk on water is you need to choose Jesus. Because he's the ultimate water walker. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Lord and Savior. Not just Jesus save me, but Jesus, will you walk with me every day? Because the storms are going to be bigger than I can handle on my own. If you don't know Jesus in that way, if you've never said, oh my, I want to give my life to Jesus. I don't don't want to just walk daily. I want to give my eternity to Jesus. Do it today. Say, Jesus Come into my life. Forgive me of sin. And I receive your sacrifice on the cross for me. That's choosing Jesus. That's the first step for learning to walk on water. The next one is change your prayers. If you want to walk on water, think of Peter's statement here. Lord, if that's you, command me to come to you. That could be a a, a prayer that fuels us daily. God, reveal your commands Show me what you, what you called me to do today. Oh, you called me to love one another? Show me how to, I want to walk out that command of love. Change your prayers so that they propel you out of your comfort zone and call you to walk in obedience to God. Third thing for walking on water is look into Jesus' eyes. Because where you look is where you're going to (laughs) go. I've taught a number of people to barefoot water ski. (laughs) And usually the first couple times I only give them a few pointers because I want to see them tumble just like I tumble. (laughs) No, no, no. You have to be there. (laughs) But sure enough, if you're out there on your bare feet and you look down and go, Oh my goodness, this is so cool. Look at my feet. Guess where you're going to go? Right there. 
That lesson reminds me where you look is where you'll go. So friends, look into Jesus' eyes, even in a storm. I wake up in the middle of the night. Why am I awake? And then I'm flooded with thoughts of the day and meetings I've been in and conversations, people who agreed with me, people who didn't agree, and how do I solve this? And I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. Be quiet. Jesus, let me see you in the midst of the storm of my mental combobulation going on, keeping me awake. Look into his eyes. Let him speak peace into whatever your moment is that you're experiencing. That's number three. Number four, hold his hand. <laughs> hold his hand or, or cling to him. And, you know, Jesus, I'm not like, you're not going anywhere. We're doing this together. Hold on to him. What does that look like? It means, uh, to me, it's an intimate experience. It's a, whoa. <laughs> but it's a spiritually intimate experience. It's you and Jesus together. It, it, that kind of experience of me picturing holding Jesus' hand fuels my prayer. Lord, I know you love me deeply. Thank you for hugging me in the midst of this turmoil, this storm. Let your eyes be focused. Let your hands be holding him. And then lastly, walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, another favorite scripture. Walk by faith, not by sight. Keep your eyes on him and your faith will be fueled. Don't be called little faith. Be called, oh, my son, my daughter, you are walking with me. So friends, have you met Jesus? Do you know him? Have you seen him in a fresh new way recently? Because if you haven't, today's a good day to pray a prayer and say, Jesus, open my eyes. I want to see you. Ask him to open, give you a fresh revelation uh, uh, to respond to him by faith. Because my encouragement is that you would fully trust and surrender to Jesus. This song that the team led us in, the new one this morning, it's been a powerful song throughout Encounter Weekend. Speak the name of Jesus. Isn't it powerful? We're going to do some more opportunity of speaking Jesus' name this morning. And I encourage you to speak it out. And Sydney, feel free to, to linger here for a bit in this song because speak it out over the enemies in the spiritual realm. Speak it out over the strongholds in your life. Speak the name of Jesus and let him fuel your faith and your intimate relationship with him now. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.